Greetings and welcome to the delayed version of Football Never Sleeps, our off-season YouTube show. We had a couple of technical difficulties. We went. I, I hit this. I hit the snooze button too many times. That's my fault. <laughs> Tyler hit the snooze button, <laughs> but we appreciate you hanging with us. Um, we are weekly during spring football, which is where we are now until April twenty-second. We may extend it a few weeks beyond that. We are not regular, and by that I mean we move the show around during the week to best reflect the news of the week. So we're on Tuesday this week, and uh, we'll be taking your questions here in a little bit. We'll work those into what we're talking about. The biggest thing we're going to be talking about tonight is um, our impressions from the open practice, but we have some other things. Uh, we're going to look at some recruiting things. We're going to look at the dynamics of the quarterback room. We talked to the safeties today. Pretty interesting group. I, I would say they are one of the bigger surprises so far of the spring. And we also, uh, I'm going to let Tyler give the details on this, but as you can see in the crawl underneath our pictures, we have a special offer going right now. And Tyler is much better at telling people exactly how to ask questions and how to sign up for that. So Tyler, take it away. Yeah, well, first off, shout out to Stephen Robert for giving us some early love with the Let's Go and the Heart Foundation with the emoji. We appreciate you guys supporting us. Um, as Eric mentioned, we do have a 60-day free trial going on um, to celebrate the addition of Charleston Bulls to our Inside Indy Sports staff. Um, so you have from now until April 9th to sign up for the 60-day free trial. You use promo code ND Recruit 60 ND Recruit all caps, um, and you just sign up for an account on uh, InsideIndieSports.com. You'll do that if you want the direct link to the promo code. You can find that either in our free stories where we're highlighting it with a with a banner or an image. You can just click on it and it'll sign up for you, or you can go to either Eric or my Twitter, and I'll actually include the link in the uh, description of the video once we're done with the live video as well. So. Should be a number of places where you can hit that up. We appreciate any new support. We want to try to expand our subscriber base as we revamp our recruiting coverage and continue to give you the football coverage that you all hopefully know and love by now. But we will uh, continue to try to expand beyond that. And uh, we appreciate the, the YouTube audience, which has been very supportive to us as well. If you are new on the YouTube, uh, you can... Make sure you submit. We, we want questions from anyone, whether or not you're new or not. But if you need some directions in terms of, terms of submitting questions, you can find the chat box uh, to the right-hand side if you are on a desktop version um, or if you're on a mobile device, the chat box should be to the bottom to go ahead and submit questions or comments or even compliments, um, just like the Howard Foundation said. I'm so glad the legendary Mr. Hansen has decided to dip his toes in the podcast game. Go Irish. I appreciate you guys. So. Uh, we appreciate you too, the Heart Foundation. Probably Eric more than me, since he got the shout out. But no, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> I appreciate you just as much. But Eric, let's let's get to some football talk. We got a okay. chance to see Notre Dame practice on Saturday for a full practice for the first and only time this spring until we get the Blue Gold game on April 22nd. Let's start with the offense. I believe you wanted to start with what was your first and maybe most important takeaway from what we saw on Saturday. Right. So just to set the scene for people, this practice was actually supposed to take place in the stadium. That's where it was originally scheduled for. And and when they're over at the Irish Athletic Center, they actually have three fields. They have two outside and one inside. But it was raining, sleeting, flurrying. So everything got compressed into the indoor. And so maybe we didn't see everything that we normally would see with a little bit more room to roam for uh, the offense. You know, early on when I was, you know, when the players were going through their individual drills, I liked the offensive pieces. I, I looked at the wide receivers, you know, Chancey Stuckey was <laughs> doing one drill where he, well, it's several drills, a series where he throws bad passes to them. Like he'll throw them at their feet. He'll throw them too high, uh, you know, and and little did I know that would come in handy for later. Um, and you looked at the running backs. There were only a couple of healthy scholarship running backs, but they both look good in drills. The quarterbacks look good. Um, 
And in the seven on sevens, then you start to say, gosh, this doesn't look quite as good when you put the pieces together. And then when it got to the 11 on 11s, I think Tyler said it was maybe the worst offensive practice that he's witnessed. Um, and I would say in some ways it was, I would say myself. Now, let me let me preface this with, I've got some takes from a, a big picture perspective. I don't think this is a reason to panic or anything, but um, it was surprising to me that the pieces at this point didn't fit better. Now you think about everything that's going on in spring practice, new coordinator, new offense. Um, you got a transfer quarterback. You got a lot of new receivers that haven't worked on chem, you know, haven't been able to work on chemistry as much. And then it doesn't seem so surprising, but uh, um, you know, there, I still really like where Notre Dame is with its quarterbacks and wide receivers long-term offensive line is going to get better. You know, the tackles I thought were as good as advertised. And I thought there were some issues at times when they got an 11-11 with the interior of the offensive line that that was a little bit more porous. You know, give the defensive line some credit um, there. But um, I do like where that offensive line is going to go. Michael Carmody got hurt early. Left guard. Billy Shrouth came in. and. I'm not sure that we'll see Billy Shrouth out of the number one spot, even when Michael Carmody comes back. I think he's going to be really good. But uh, that those are my initial impressions. Tyler? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, tweeted something after, right after practice to indicate that I was not impressed with the offense. But like you said, like this doesn't mean that I think Notre Dame's offense isn't going to be good this season. But what I saw on Saturday was not right. impressive. It was a snapshot. Um, yeah, it's just one, it's one look at it. That's all they're willing to give us this spring. Um, they could care less if we were impressed by what they did or, or not on Saturday. But there were recruits there, too. Um, it's not like we were the only ones in the building. Now, usually <laughs> the recruits aren't that focused in on the exact outcomes of specific things in a, in a practice. And it's easy to sort of explain away some of the issues that Notre Dame was having with so many new faces. Um, but it's just not – it was not clicking – the passing game was not very good, and we're even including when Sam Hartman is the quarterback there. The timing on throws was off. The routes, they just didn't seem to be on the same page with the receivers. There were some drop passes. Um, I mean, there was one sequence where it was three incomplete passes in a row from Sam Hartman, and I, I haven't had the time to, but I was curious how many times that actually even happened in a game last season. How many times did, does he throw three incomplete passes in a row? Um, there were – very little highlights. I mean, I, to me, what summed up like how how much the offense was sort of struggling. The only Jabron touchdown, Payne's run that was about yeah, it, wasn't it? Yeah, Jabron Payne had a nice run, um, and they wanted to score so badly that they put Audric Estime in with the third team guys because they needed to get, get a touchdown on offense. I mean, maybe that's not exactly what happened. Maybe Audric's like, "Hey, let me in there." I don't know how, but that's what it felt like. It's like, okay, they really need to score that bad that they're going to put Audric Estime in there after Skip Valota and Jabron Payne were in there with the offense. So um, it uh, was not exactly an exciting display of offense. There were some good moments in some of the one-on-one -on -one periods, like you mentioned. Um, and I do think long-term the offense will be okay. But if you want my reaction to what I saw, it's like, well, what is going on here? This is not, not very good. And obviously we're early in spring. What was that? Notre Dame's sixth practice of the spring. Um, so th they still have plenty of room to work there. We're talking about a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback. Um, and it's important to mention what the defense was doing. This was a day that the defense was throwing some exotic looks at the offense. Now, obviously the offense is preparing for that when they're doing their own stuff. So it's not like it was, it was this was a surprise to the offense. That's how like practice scripting works. They're going to practice, uh, four third down situations. And the defense was doing a lot of different things, playing three safeties on the field, blitzing guys, lining up six or seven guys on the line of scrimmage and try to confuse the offense. And it was, it certainly worked. So the positive marks for Al Golden and uh, the defense for, for coming up with a plan that really sort of threw Notre Dame off its, off its game on offense. I think there was one swing pass to Audrick Estime, what he was sort of left unguarded um, in that session where they were working on third down specifically, that was good. But other, other than that, the offense was really struggling unless, it, unless we're talking about some of the second or third string guys when we're talking about 
Steve Angeli making a throw to Rico Flores or stuff like that. So um, a bit discouraging, not that I wouldn't say worrying, um, but just like, man, I was hoping to see some better things there and hoping to see them a bit farther along in the process here. And maybe it's just a bad day that we can't know that for certain. We, we can't tell you that with our own eyes for certain because we don't have that opportunity. Um, but we'll get we'll continue to get more reports from from Notre Dame about what they're seeing. We'll get all the all the coordinators later this spring before the spring game to get their thoughts on how things are progressing. Um, and uh, Marcus Freeman as well. So. That was that was how I how I saw things. I know a bit harsh, but it really was not it was not impressive. I don't I don't know how else to sort of describe how the offense looked in those eleven on eleven settings. Well, here here's a few things that I like to throw in there. One is, um, I I thought Hartman, at least he was, you know, I like the way he the ball comes out of his hand. I mm-hmm. thought he made good decisions. I thought there were a lot of drops. That's where I would be. Um, biggest disappointment if I'm Marcus Freeman is how many drops there were of passes that were right in receivers' hands. Chris Tyree had some issues uh, repeatedly. The one thing was Lorenzo Styles did not have problems with drops. He's the guy that was dropping last year. He looked good. He didn't look like a guy that's your number one receiver, but he looked like he fit in in that rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, you know, spring practice, you could – you could put together a practice where you're going to look good um, just based on how you structure things in your 11 on 11. They have so much work to do with retooling the offense. They really need to get down and dirty and and find out what their problems are now so they can fix them in March and April. And then it doesn't show up when they play Ohio state in September, theoretically. So I, I like the approach. It, you know, we when we watch the blue gold game, I mean, it's such a it's like watching football through a kaleidoscope. It just really <laughs> is so deceptive. So I don't know that we're going to get a great look at them again. We have, I think, Tyler, one um, practice between now and the blue gold game where we have the five periods, but you don't get the 11 on 11 in those abbreviated practice. So this is the other thing that was difficult was we didn't have Marcus Freeman to talk to or either the coordinators after practice. They have a rotation. I love it because we get to talk to every assistant coach, but mm-hmm. it was Marty Biagi's turn. So we're talking special teams right. on a day where we really want to find out, <laughs> hey, Marcus, what's going on with the offense? And so that was a bit unfortunate, uh, although I really enjoyed Marty. He's he's a neat guy and and a fun interview, and and I learned a lot about the special teams. For sure. So, so those were some of the things. Um, you know, we'll have Dylan McCullough later this week. I'm trying to think of the other offensive coordinator. We'll have um, all three. We'll have Freeman and the two coordinators. When is that? Is that like a week from Saturday? Maybe I think. Yeah. I think uh, yes. It's on the yeah. 15th. Yeah. Yeah. Not this Saturday before Easter, but the following Saturday. Yeah. And and we'll have um, late in the process. We'll have. I think it's. Friday the 14th, we have the offensive line coach, Joe Rudolph. Yep. And then one of the last people we'll talk to is Chancey Stuckey, the wide receivers coach. I'm kind of glad that he's going so late in the process because mm-hmm. I think the receivers are going to look a lot different right before the blue gold game than they would have had we talked to Chancey in week one. So, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. But but those were the general impressions now. You can flip side. We'll we'll talk to Tyler now a little bit about his defensive impressions, because I'll tell you, I was surprised individually with some position groups, and with the whole unit. Even though again, it was a lot of exotic looks, the fact that they could pull them off was impressive. Yeah i I thought it was a pretty good performance by the defense. I mean, some of the stuff on offense was just like, okay, this isn't that complicated. Like a guy's running around, like hit him or make the play, like it. There, there, it wasn't like the defense was like picking off every third pass, like batting down every third pass. Like it was just like Notre Dame just wasn't making a play. Now there were Notre Dame was creating pressure with with blitzes. Guys were getting home on blitzes. Jack Kaiser was in a position for a sack. Now obviously they're not actually finishing the play with sacks, but um, he was in a position for sacks. Maris Leofile was in a position for sacks, uh, a sack. Um, and so there were some good things there. It's funny we see a lot of like single play highlights like showing what the receivers and Sam Hartman and some of the quarterbacks are doing 
and Benjamin Morrison has been on the wrong end of a, a few of those clips. But in a full pra practice setting, Ben Morrison is still who you expect him to be. He's he's legit. He was making pass breakups and, and, and making it uh, difficult to complete passes on him. And so the highlights that we see small glimpses of are probably in a, the, the, the minority of, of the, the every down plays when you're talking about Benjamin Morrison, who's a freshman All-American. Um, one of the bigger surprises of the day, I think it's fair to say, is Ryan Barnes had a, had a really good performance. He <laughs> had a pass breakup. He ended the ended the day with an interception uh, of Steve Angeli. Um, and uh, his pass breakup came when Steve Angeli was a quarterback as well. But he was covering Caleb Smith, who Notre Dame wants to make, make an impact this year as a grad transfer from Virginia Tech. So um, interesting to see him. He was also playing nickel back, which I don't know that we would have anticipated. Clarence Lewis was also playing nickel back. Those were some that was a bit of a surprising mix there. And, and Thomas Harper is someone that we expect to play nickelback when healthy. He's still recovering from his shoulder injury that he suffered late in his season last year at Oklahoma State before grad transferring to Notre Dame. Um a few other players that stood out to me. Jason Anye um has sort of risen up the depth chart um to be a guy competing for to be in the two deep at, at uh, whether nose guard or defensive tackle, I would say probably more likely nose guard. Um, but I think there's opportunities for him to get in the mix and he's been a slow project, uh, I would say, but he's gotten bigger. He looks impressive. Um, and if he can sort of continue to put that all together, um, though, particularly the interior of the defensive line, I think there's a lot of question marks of, okay, who's, who's behind Howard Cross and Riley Mills. Like we know who those guys are, but Beyond that, I think there's a lot of questions of who can who can sort of step up there. And if you can get guys like Jason Anye that are competing at a high level, um, that should be promising for, for Notre Dame. One guy that I wouldn't wasn't necessarily anticipating talking about or thinking much about was Preston Zinter. Um, when yeah. the third teams were getting some action, he had a sack and a tackle for a loss. And so he was running all over the field, making some plays, um, and that was encouraging to see. You know, the linebackers get all kinds of information thrown at them, and sometimes as freshmen, it's – they're just trying to keep their head above water. But when, when the lights were on and, and they were given some opportunities now, again, granted it's against sort of the third string offense. He's not exactly going against uh, Joe Walt out there, but uh, he was, he was making some plays and, and, and getting through and, and uh, creating a little bit of havoc for Notre Dame's backup defense. Yeah. I, I thought um, overall from position groups, the, the position groups I expected to struggle in the 11 on 11 was defensive line and safety. Mm -hmm. And I thought they more than held up. Now, again, I'd like to see that again. Um, right. Do they just have a great day? I, you know, having talked to Chris O'Leary and talked to some of the safeties, Tyler talked to Ramon Henderson. I talked to Xavier Watts today. The, the safeties have been doing it consistently according to Chris O'Leary. And I think he's, not making that up. I think he's being honest because he's he's really good. He'll tell us when, when they're struggling and they've had a good spring. Um, so uh, the defensive line will be the the ones that we really uh, want to watch. But it's interesting just getting a recruits perspective. I was reading Charleston Charleston's um, story on one of the Smith twins. Was it Jacob that he interviewed? He wrote about Jacob. I wrote about Ger Gerard. Right. So Jacob was talking about how impressed he was with Jordan Vitello. He talked about why he was. And it's just interesting the things that the kids mentioned. You know, you can't take my word for it on Vitello because I've been the president of the Vitello fan club <laughs> since he walked on campus. And you're and more of, you're as biased as the Vitello family at this point. I'm as biased <laughs> as the Vitello family because I just think he's such an interesting story. Um, and he's overcome a lot. And if he can if he can turn into the player that he was meant to be this year, that's what Notre Dame needs um, is a guy that was, you know, the best defensive player in Hawaii his senior year turn into that guy at a different position um, at Notre Dame his senior year. So, um, but what can you draw maybe long-term from what you saw on, on the defense? I mean, the cornerbacks look, I mean, all of those guys. Christian Gray. What did you think of him? Yeah, I thought Christian Gray played really well. That's probably a name that I should have included. I thought he he sort of flashed a bit. I mean, 
I, I don't know who the worst cornerback is that that would actually play, but like I think there's the the the, the level of the floor of that group is so much higher than it's been in the past that I feel like you you have some confidence sort of regardless of, of who is out there. Jaden Mickey is showing some signs of improvement. Um, he had some tough moments last season. Um, and uh, as a freshman, not surprising, not everyone's Benjamin Morris in the freshman season. Um, but I, just the decision to play him outside rather than play in the nickel, I thought was interesting. And the, Notre Dame seems to want to sort of get him focusing on that and, and continue to improve there. And we're talking about a group that didn't have Thomas Harper at, at nickelback or Cam Hart, who's still recovering from his shoulder injury in the practice setting as well, because those guys aren't taking contact yet. Um, so some reason to, to be excited there. I think it, it, it it's important. Like when you have one great cornerback, like Benjamin Morrison, I think it sort of elevates the room a bit in that there's, there's a lot more room for competition and and, the, and maybe less playing time. It's like, well, if Benjamin Morrison's going to lock that down, then we all really need to get out there and get our, prove ourselves to to be able to get on the field as well so especially with um, kim hart coming back at some point yeah with kim hart coming back the, everyone's everyone knows that their opportunities could be limited now if everyone's playing at a high level maybe Notre Dame rotates those guys more than they have in the past um and gets maybe in a bit more of a healthy situation there um but yeah that that was another thing the safeties yeah the safeties i i've I don't know that I expected to be very impressed with the safety units this spring. I mean, they're already they're sort of down numbers in the first place, um, and then when you're talking about basically a trio that you expect to play this season in DJ Brown, Xavier Watson, Ramon Henderson, I think Watts is the one that probably the two of us are the highest on of that group. DJ Brown, I think, is steady but not not sort of remarkable in any any significant way, other than like having a lot of experience and being a good leader for that group. And also um, knows where everybody needs to be. He's good at communicating, re- recognizing things on the defense. Absolutely, and I think I think that is rubbed off on on Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts as they continue to get comfortable back there. Ramon Henderson spoke about that of just being more comfortable. Um, and one thing I thought was interesting, uh, we saw them with some three safety looks, whether in a dime package, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I asked him what he thought about that, like if he likes that. And obviously, usually when you get more of your guys on the field, or this, it's going to increase your chances for playing time, so you're going to like it. But why he liked it, the, that I, I found, which seems to make a lot of sense to me, he's like, it's not that I don't trust my other teammates when I'm out in the field, but when I have two other safeties out there, I know exactly what they're going to do because we're on the same page. We're talking about the stuff all the time. I, I just have that inherent trust in those other guys that I know where they're going to be and they know where I'm, where I'm going to be because we're always practicing together and we're, we're on the same page like that. So um, I don't know how much we'll see that this season, um, but I thought it was a, an intriguing wrinkle that certainly was working against Notre Dame's offense on Saturday and uh, something that uh, Notre Dame is, is experimenting with at least so far in the spring. We're going to talk about this a little later in the show, but I'll throw it in now. Um, the safety group is really interesting um, because they still may add from the portal right? for a couple reasons, short-term and long-term. The short-term, you know, just gives you a deeper rotation. Now, I, they love Ben Minnick. Um, he got rave reviews from everybody. Apparently, he's had the most interceptions of all the safeties in um, spring football so far, and you know, you could see his speed on that long Jabron Payne run. He tracked Jabron Payne down from behind. Uh, so he he's getting good grades. But if you think about it, when I asked Chris O'Leary about this, I said, you realize, you know, Watts and, uh, and Henderson and DJ Brown and Harper could all be gone after this year. Certainly Harper and Brown because they're out of eligibility. Ramon has a COVID year. Xavier actually has technically two years, a redshirt year and a COVID year, but I don't think he's going to be around for both of those and maybe not even one of those. Yeah. Ramon predicted that we'll see him in the NFL draft soon. So, yeah, well, you know what? Um, Chris O'Leary said he's on an NFL trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how highly they think of him now and that how highly they thought of him when they were pulling him over to the defense to move over from wide receiver. It's funny because, you know, the other two guys are converted cornerbacks. He's a converted wide receiver. 
you know, Harper is really more of a, um, of a nickel. And so really Adon Schuler and Ben Minnick, the two freshmen are really the only two guys that were kind of destined. <laughs> right. To play true safety. Yeah. And, and then when you think about next year, then you have Minnick and Adon Schuler and then whoever they're recruiting. So they're, they're looking at the portal also for long-term solutions, somebody that'll be on the roster for multiple years because they, they need the numbers. They can't keep borrowing from the cornerback uh, groups and from other groups. Before we go to special teams, do we want to knock off some of these questions? We're on the same page. I was going to suggest that uh, immediately as well once you got done talking, but you beat me once to I it. So blathering. Look at you. Um, let's start with the defensive ones first since we were most freshly talking about defense. This one's from ND Fan 0687. What is more likely in 2023? Clarence Lewis starts at safety or Jack Kaiser starts at Will Linebacker? I would say at right now, Jack Kaiser starting at Will Linebacker, and I'm not predicting that that's going to happen, but he's getting some reps there. I think the, the biggest obstacle to Kaiser starting at Will Linebacker isn't Maris Leofow necessarily, it's Prince Colley. Right. That they're trying to find reps for him too. So if it's a timeshare between those two, you know, Kaiser is is so good, but he maybe part of his problem is his versatility that he could play all three positions and maybe that's too much of a safety blanket, but he certainly deserves a shot at it. I asked Chris O'Leary today, the safeties coach, about Clarence Lewis and neither Clarence nor uh, Ryan Barnes is working at safety. Now they certainly could consider that, but we're basically halfway through spring practice right now. And so that there's still time to move them. But if you were going to do that, it seemed to make sense right. to do that at the beginning because you needed the numbers. You, you got plenty of cornerbacks. You needed the numbers at safety. It seemed to make, I think they feel like they could get something better out of the portal than Lewis or Barnes trying to play safety. So my answer goes is Kaiser. Yeah, and maybe there's some confidence that they can move those guys late because I mean that's what they did with Ron Henderson and Xavier right. Watts. It's not like they were early, yeah. early moves. Over Watts was in the middle of a season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, he went to Rover first and then safety. <laughs> so so maybe Chris O'Leary's like, ah, no worries, we'll figure it out if we need yeah. to. Um, but yeah, you would think if that was gonna happen, that would be have happened by now. Um so I'm in I'm in agreement with you there. Uh I mean, even like you could talk about a cop out that the first game is Navy, so they might play <laughs> Jack Kaiser as well linebacker, but that's not really the spirit of the question. Um, because I think they'll play a number, they'll probably play more linebackers than they normally do. And I think Kaiser was even sort of playing a bit of a safety role uh, at some point, but um, yeah, I think uh, that seems more likely. Yeah, he has more experience at it. Um, I think there's a chance that that can happen. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, you watch him, he's ready for this spring. I mean, he's ready to sure. challenge people. He's ready to do whatever it takes. We should mention, too, before we get to the next question, if you don't hear us talking about um, Jalen Sneed, it's because he was injured. Right. We weren't able to get an injury report because we didn't have access to either Al Golden or Marcus Freeman, but um, he was in street clothes. Otherwise, we would probably be raving about what he did. That is correct. Uh, another question from the Hart Foundation. Would you guys say that the defense has more talent than you guys expected to see in the limited time, time you've seen or right about where you thought they would be at this point in time? Um, I'm not sure that I think they have more talent. What I am sure that I underestimated so far is how they've developed. Uh, because when you look at and, and and it's some of it's different guys developing. Uh, Jason Anya is a perfect example. You know, I thought I'd be talking about Tyson Ford, and you got a lot of these high pedigree recruits that are in the lower classes, like Joshua Burnham and Aiden Gobira, Tyson Ford in that group, and you're seeing people like Jason Anya and a converted middle linebacker and Junior Tui Halamaka. Uh, some of those guys. Um, Alexander Ahrensberger's playing inside now at mm -hmm. defensive tackle. Um, so 
and and Botello stepping up is huge. Um, and then when you look at the back end with the safety that they've all kind of collectively taken a step forward and some of the, you know, I mean, Christian Gray is an important depth piece in the cornerbacks. And you look at the linebackers, Nolan Ziegler's a guy that I thought, okay, where is he fit in? Well, he's a backup middle linebacker right. and actually playing pretty well there. So, um, so the, the development has certainly been, um, interesting. It's, it's just, it's maybe different guys than I anticipated. And, and maybe those guys will come around too. And, and keep in mind, there's still maybe some June fresh freshmen that might, um, contribute. And we talked about this on another show and I think Tyler brought it up. Brennan Vernon is a guy that has a lot of size that might be able to help at the field defensive end, the bigger of the two defensive ends, uh, when he gets on campus in June. Yeah, I think t- to me, like talent is talent and it doesn't really change. I mean, I guess there's probably some guys that I guess I don't know how talented they are just because we haven't been able to see them play. So I, I guess I could be swayed on that based on seeing them play, but I don't know that I would be swayed too much on like the limited viewings that we had. I would need to see a, a much more broad, broader body of work to feel like, okay, this this player is more talented than I thought. I would, I would say like my takeaway so far – and based off the limited viewing, of course, is that it seems like Notre Dame is figuring out how to best utilize the talent it does have. Um, and, and at least in those situations that we saw that they were figuring out the right ways to put those guys in combinations to make plays and, and be in positions to make plays. Um, if, if there was a position I wanted to see or like change my opinion of the talent level, it'd probably be, be the defensive line. Like, okay, is there stud pass rushers are there guys that are really going to eat up blocks up front i'm not sure where the talent level is for the guys that are going to be asked to play the most this coming season um and so that that's remains a question mark i thought they played fairly well in the practice we saw um but uh i don't know that i'm ready to necessarily change my mind or have had my mind changed yet um but i can be a little bit stubborn when it comes to that in terms of changing my mind too so maybe maybe that's coming through well, some some of the looks we saw too were a little bit different, and I do think that we're going to see more linebacker blitzing this year. And I think mm-hmm. they've certainly got the guys to do it. We also saw Maris Leafau, for instance, line up um, on the defensive line at Viper. Yeah, yep. We we saw sometimes defensive backs creep up uh, to the line of scrimmage right before the snap. Uh, not you know like <laughs> not coming from the parking lot like the safeties did against. Ohio State, <laughs> but but actually um, getting in a position to to rush the passer and and it was very effective. It looks like Al Golden has made some necessary tweaks to the defense and they're a little bit more aggressive. Uh, speaking of the linebackers, question from cousin Luke is Drake Bowen. What's he looking like? Um, you know when I again I was focusing more on the offense, but I had to cheat and watch some of the defense. When I saw him on the field, it was the three freshmen all together, uh, and he was giving people directions. He he seemed to know what was going on. Now maybe he was, uh, you know, got that from his days playing baseball uh, because he's on the baseball team too this spring. Yeah, he was telling them to turn too. They're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know, he was kind of pointing to them where they need to be lined up and giving a lot of instructions. I mean, he's he's a good looking athlete. He's got a lot on his plate with baseball. They haven't used him in a game yet, um, and maybe we'll wait until after spring football to do that. Uh, and they still have quite a bit of baseball to play once they get to May and June. So, uh, but but I like him. He um, could back up at either of those two inside spots. He was playing middle linebacker, I believe, when I was watching him. Yeah, he certainly looks the part, um, and I think there's reasons to be optimistic about him. I he he didn't do anything in sort of the team periods or the seven on seven periods to jump out to me. Um, not that he did poorly in any of those sessions, but he didn't he didn't sort of make a play like I, that's that's why I highlighted Preston Zinter, who was probably I I would have probably if I had to guess which of the freshman linebackers would do something that would impress you, I probably wouldn't have. Started with Preston Center, I, I would have thought maybe Drake Bowen or, or Jay Osbury would be ahead of ahead of that, but that's the way it worked out. That doesn't mean uh, 
Drake isn't making plays uh, in other practices, but in those that the limited viewing that we had, he, he didn't necessarily do anything of note. But I, I do like agree with you. Like he he is dealing with a lot. It seems kind of crazy uh, the the amount of uh, responsibility that's being put on his plate, and and at a position like linebacker where you need to you need to be pretty smart about what you're doing on the football field as well. So. Um, I, I I think the future is definitely bright for Drake. I don't know that he's necessarily going to impact the team on defense as a freshman um, because I don't know that the need is necessarily there for that, but certainly would be a guy that I would be and potentially Marty Biaggi will be asking to uh, yeah. to uh, help, uh, help a bit on special teams. All right, let's get to one more question before we talk a little bit more about special teams. Um, from the other day, Eric, this question is from Frank Sarah. Based on what you have seen, do you think ND will be more aggressive in getting a guard transfer? Um, I would say if Michael Carmody had an injury that's going to keep him out for a while, I think possibly because when um, when he went out, the guys, the guy that moved up into the number two spot was Quinn Murphy, and there's nothing wrong with Quinn. I mean, he's a really good walk on. He's been in the program for five years, but it does lend itself to the depth issues. And when you think about, okay, who could help them coming in in June? Well, you don't expect uh, a June arriving offensive lineman to get in the two deeps. Um, and when you think about the guys coming in, you know, Jagaza, who's a tackle is probably physically the most, you know, camera ready of those freshmen and yet played small school football. Yeah. And as years, you know, seems like light years away from technique and competition level, it's going to take him an adjustment. Sam Pendleton is on campus now. Surprised me that he didn't maybe get a shot earlier. And we've seen Pat Coogan, who's the backup center, get some guard reps. Um, Ashton. Craig um, Craig is in the mix, but again, Quinn Murphy's ahead of those guys. So yeah, I mean, if they don't see what they want there, um, they could either get a depth piece or go try to get a potential starter. The thing is, Christophic is playing pretty well, and he's perceived as one of the team leaders. Uh, uh, you know, Rocco's going to have a hard time jumping over him, and and I think Billy Shrouth. If Harry were coaching Billy Shrouth, there would be no question he'd be the starter. Uh, you know, Joe Rudolph, he has a clean slate, so he's not as gaga about Shrouth probably, although he he recruited him to Wisconsin unsuccessfully. So <laughs> he ought to know know his capabilities pretty well. <laughs> Think he's a little bitter about that? No, I'm teasing. Yeah, yeah but I'll tell you, he looks the part. When he goes out there and fist bumps uh, Joe Alt before the snap, you're like, this reminds me of somebody, um, you know, with that kind of potential. Harry has said um, that he thinks Billy Shrouth will be a first-round draft choice someday. Not this year, but someday. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think – I don't know that they're ready to make that decision yet. I think that's something to continue to monitor. Um, I didn't think the guards played particularly well in practice the other day. I thought some of the pressure um, – came up the middle in, in some situations and that could be more about communication than it is about physical ability. Um, and so that is certainly correctable. Um, and so there's plenty of work to be done there. I, I don't know that they will do that. I think it's just something that was always a possibility and something that Notre Dame was monitoring. Um, I don't know that it will necessarily be elevated from what we've seen so far, but if you're, if Michael Carmody is injured in some serious way or can't stay healthy, that would be worth looking into or Rocco Spindler sort of the light sort of clicks on for him. Then that, that could eliminate the need for something like that, but we haven't necessarily seen that yet either. I think um, there's, I mean, there, there might be just as good of a chance that their name would turn to uh, Pat Coogan at guard before Rocco Spindler. Um, I think Pat's locked in as sort of the number two center, but I think if they, if, if you're looking for someone to play next to Zeke and not be, the number two center in practice, then maybe Pat Coogan could be that guy. I don't know that exactly. That's just um, something that I'm suggesting as a possibility, but um, we'll continue to see how that progresses because that's certainly an important position for Notre Dame going into the fall. 
Okay. Um, on to special teams. Yes, let's do it. So um, we saw a little bit of special teams play, and Tyler was teasing me because I was convinced Zach Yoakum was going to miss his 43-yard field goal and and very short and off, and he actually <laughs> nailed it. He nailed and it. After, after being a little shaky on the 40-yard field goal, um, but he was nine for nine. I don't think that's going to be who's kicking in the fall. I really think it's going to be Spencer Schrader, the transfer from South Florida, but it's nice to have somebody that can go in there and make a field goal for you. Um, you know, what's really different about Brian Mason, who's now with the Colts and Marty Biaggi is Marty Biaggi's background as a college kicker and punter himself. You usually don't see that in a special teams coach. You know, there was when I first, you know, in the early in the Brian Kelly era, Bob Diaco was coaching the kickers and the punters. He was a defensive coordinator. What in the world could he possibly be telling them that would help them? I think, uh, I, I I don't think I included it in my story on Zach Yoakum, but we we asked him sort of about the differences between Mason and, and Biagi and the transition between the two. And he sort of described Mason as a meathead. He's like, he's more of a meathead special teams guy where, He's going to get guys together. He's not, he sort of leaves the specialists alone. Obviously he's going to get mad at you if you guys don't do your job right, but he's, he's more worried about everything altogether. Whereas Marty Biaggi is sort of giving them the specific details of, okay, this is how you need to finish on your kick. And this is what you're, this is what you're doing wrong. Tweak this and you'll get better at, at kicking field goals or punting. Um, and so um, that attention to detail for those specific specialists is good. Now, hopefully that gets backed up with better play in those positions, even though the punting last year certainly wasn't, wasn't an issue. Um, but I thought the field goal kicking from Blake Groupie could have been a bit better than it was. And we'll see what Spencer Schrader can do, but yeah, if Zach Yoakum has to do what he did, did for the kickoff team last year for the field goal unit this year, that would be, that would be uh, a nice luxury to have because he really stepped up in, in, in need there and was a reliable kickoff guy for Notre Dame with a number of touchbacks. And um, a guy that was a true freshman walk on walking into Ohio stadium yeah. uh, where he's from, he's from upper Arlington, Ohio in the Columbus area. Um, that was a pretty cool story that he sort of was a part of and sort of, he's sort of embracing this opportunity in the spring as sort of the de facto kicker for now, but knowing that there's, there's competition to come. Yeah, Marty was really good at kind of filling us in on where they were with different um, personnel. Uh, Bryce McPherson right now is uh, the number one punter. We didn't get to see them punt. Had they been using the two outdoor fields, that right. specialists usually stay inside and use that indoor one. And Bryce McPherson has a heck of a leg. I think uh, Ben Krim is a, a transfer from Penn who will challenge him, but I think McPherson's going to win that battle. We have uh, Michael Vinson Milk at the long snapper position for another year. And then we have a new holder, it looks like, with Dylan DeVeason. He is a walk-on quarterback, and um, McPherson got, I think, the first look at holder, but they like um, Devin. He was a Dylan. holder in... Dylan, I'm sorry. Now I'm getting it. I'm going to call him Devin because <laughs> that was Marcus, Marcus Freeman called him, miscalled him Devin at the first press conference. And he's going to be Dylan Devin for me for the rest of the thing. But when he was at St. Augustine in New Orleans, he was a holder there. I think he had a left-footed kicker, though, so he's has some adjustments to make in his holding. But, boy, if he could get um, a spot on the team where he's going to the away games and so forth because he's the holder – what a great story. He looks the part as the quarterback too. Yeah. Um, you know, we get to see him in drills and he looks pretty good. Um, as far as return guys, I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head. Um, Chris Tyree, Lorenzo, uh, Styles, Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Mickey. Um, and there's a couple others that I, Jaden Greathouse. There's uh, one Jabron, more. Payne, was he back there? Yeah. Jabron Payne. And then uh, the punt return guys right now are Chris Tyree, again, Lorenzo Styles, and Salerno, Matt Salerno, not Chris. Um, those <laughs> Chris, are Chris is a specialist for anyone who doesn't know. He, he's a <laughs> right. he's a backup kicker, punter, holder. I bet he's I bet he's capable of fair catching it though. <laughs> 
but Matt Salerno. <laughs> and then uh, th- then there's a couple of guys that could get involved in the fall. And, and what Marty Biaggi told us was he's going to refine the punt returners, maybe bring a couple more people into it. There's a couple of guys that are coming in in June that are pretty dynamic. Micah Bell, who's a track star. He's a yeah. cornerback from Texas. And Jeremiah Love, who was pretty prolific. St. Louis running back. He's a guy that could get involved in the return game too. But <laughs> I asked Marty Biaggi, you know, I said, not to disparage who you've worked for in the past, but what's it like having the run of the roster with Marcus Freeman? And he was like, a kid in a candy store, you know, he was so excited. He said, Marcus comes into my office, you know, a couple times a day and says, what do you need? And um, so he's really enjoying have the run of the roster. And I think some of the concerns that people might've had when he was restricted, you know, he said a lot of times you'd say, okay, you'll get this person, this person, this person. Then it comes to game day. Ah, we need to scratch him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's, he's pretty excited about his potential at Notre Dame. They're, I, I agree with Yoakum. Mason and Biaggi are a different kind of excitable mm-hmm. uh, guys. Uh, I think uh, Mason is more of a guy that uh, gets you, that would get you to run through a wall and would run his head into a wall himself. Um, <laughs> well, I, and, what what sums Brian Mason up to me is like his name's Brian Mason. He introduced himself as Mace because that's what everyone calls him. He's like. And I, I was like, I was calling him Brian. I was like, hey, does anyone call you Brian? He's like, my wife and my mother. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm calling yeah. you Mason. I'm not going to call you Brian. Yeah. But Marty is um, Marty is very enthusiastic as well. It's more of a kind of, hey. Um, and he's he has punt blocks in his background. He said, you know, we want to block punts, but we also want to be really good at returning punts. Mm-hmm. So I think there's th- their philosophies mesh well but definitely very different personalities. All right. We have a question here from Bob Alvey. After seeing the development on the D line and hopefully the young kids developing, do you think Jacob Lacey made the right decision to transfer? Well, I mean, I think Jacob Lacey is pretty darn good. And I think he would have played a lot. Mm -hmm. What where Jacob had an issue was trust. He felt like, he was promised certain things, and then he came through early in the season, had a big game, yeah. and then didn't play hardly the next game. And he had practiced well. He had played well. So for him, it was an issue of, of trust. Um, and when you have a new position coach, whether it's fair or not, sometimes those things happen. So based on that, I think he probably did make the right decision. But I, I know Notre Dame would have loved to have him because he would be very productive and he would have a lot of playing time this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm I ignorant to what the Oklahoma depth chart looks like and if he's being challenged for playing time or if he's sort of walking in there as the de facto starter um, because I don't – There should be opportunities because their defense <laughs> – <laughs> Right, certainly they don't – I can't imagine they have a ton of guys that were good, but maybe they had some individual guys that were good and as a unit they were bad. But um, – I, I think Notre Dame could certainly use him. I don't know that he would start. I mean, I I never totally understood. Like I always thought he should be a nose guard and not a defensive tackle, and he could move back and forth. Um, and Notre Dame was adamant about Howard Cross being their best nose guard, and um, so I don't know that Notre Dame would have changed its mind in the offseason and pushed put Jacob Lacey ahead of him there. Um, and would he? I think Jacob Lacey is a bit of a different player than Riley Mills, so it'd be an interesting contrast there at defensive tackle. Um, so one thing was, uh, not to interrupt you, but no, to you're interrupt good. you, um, was you noted that Gabe Rubio was playing defensive tackle on Saturday's practice. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. Um, yeah. and uh, I think that, uh, which I allowed Jason Anya to move up. Right. I think there's some mixing and matching going on there too. At times, I think some of those guys, aren't they, they don't have a lot of massive nose tackles so there's a lot of guys that are like nose tackles that probably could play defensive tackle and, and maybe some vice versa um even when you look at the top at, at howard cross that you, you if you see his body type you think he's a three technique not a nose tackle um but he uh um has, has fulfilled that role for Notre dame and will continue to do that so i think i mean if especially if jacob lacy didn't trust what's going on or felt like he was given a fair shake then it's hard to sort of second guess 
him there um, because I don't know like how much do you want to put yourself there. I, it didn't make sense to me that he would he sort of did it in the middle of the season. It's like just play the rest of your season out um, and you'll still get another chance to play somewhere else. And maybe maybe things change in the middle of the season. Um, but uh, I know he, he preserves some eligibility there and we'll have a, a clean slate at Oklahoma and hopefully he can make the most of that. All right, that's it for the questions, Eric. Okay, um, we we remind you that we have a depth chart on our site. If you go to our website and go to the football tab, there's a drop-down menu. So you mm-hmm. can see the snapshot of where we are about halfway through practice. I updated it uh, a little bit earlier this week. So if you kind of want to see, and we don't do just the two deeps, we'll go all the way to the bottom of the depth chart. Um, so you can kind of see where people are. Um, just a couple of random people on the depth chart. The the person that maybe, I don't want to say disappointed me, but surprised me not in a good surprise way, has been Caleb Smith, the wide receiver. I was mm-hmm. convinced he might be wide receiver one or two, and I don't know that he's even one through four right now. Now, again, maybe, you know, he's, Got a lot of adjusting to do, but there's been this collective surge by Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather. And, you know, Chris Tyree's getting that look at in the slot receiver. Jaden Thomas is playing well. So that whole group that kind of came in together, Tobias was one year behind them. Um, Lorenzo Styles, even. And you wonder how this rotation is going to settle. You know, I think, pro- you know, they always talk about, well, we can go as deep. Well, you know, if it's five or six people, who are the five or six? And is Caleb Smith in that five or six? Is any of the freshmen in those five or six? You know, I guess if it if there was a game Saturday, I almost would put Flores, Rico Flores in there ahead of Caleb Smith, even though they don't play the same position. Yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen, on the practice field and the limited viewing, yeah, I, I sort of tend to agree. Now, how how better is Caleb Smith looking at practice? How valuable is his experience um, as a guy that's played played a bit at Virginia Tech? Um, that could be a difference maker there. But, yeah, he, he was taking reps with the rest of those freshmen in terms of the pecking order um, in the 11-on-11 stuff um, on Saturday. So he has not come in right away and, and – done anything in front of us uh, to be like, oh, Caleb Smith, he's really going to make a difference here um, this season. So maybe we're just seeing him at the right wrong time and he's, he's yeah. making some other plays um, or they're, they're, maybe they're experimenting with him doing different things and that, because they know he can do something else. And so maybe he's not being put in the role that they feel the most confident in him in. Um, I, there could be any number of different things that could explain the the lack of excitement, I guess, we, we've seen from him so far. So, yeah, he, he would be the surprise there. We should also mention Logan Diggs hasn't been practicing. Right. So that's why we saw some more of Jabron Payne. Um, we'll get an update Thursday on Logan Diggs' situation when we talk to Dylan McCullough. Uh, we also probably we may get, get to, some, we, we might get to talk to Logan himself. Too. We will. We will. He's on the list. And uh, Jadarian Price will be available so we can see where his progress is, you know, he's been in the pit most of the time. The hope was by the end of spring that he would be back practicing with the other group. They're not going to rush him with Achilles injury he had, but man, you start to put together and you look at all those running backs and you can understand why Chris Tyree's playing receiver right now. And, And I mean, I like Chris's speed at receiver, but again, maybe it's just a bad day. Maybe he was distracted by the sleet outside. But uh, he needs to catch the ball if he's going to be the slot receiver. And let's see what he looks like in the blue-gold game. Yeah, um, maybe a a couple other things in the depth chart that I think is worth continuing to monitor. We've touched on a few of these things already, but um, Prince Colley pushing Maris Leofile, like what's that going to look like? Um, Nolan Ziegler being the number two Mike linebacker at the moment. I think the safety's position is pretty fluid. I think we're going to see a lot of all three of those guys. Um, and then maybe four if Thomas Harper plays some safety in addition to nickel. Um, and then speaking of nickel, Clarence Lewis and Ryan Barnes being backup options there, I think was something that we didn't anticipate. And I don't, and we, 
we believe that Ramon Henderson isn't really getting much look there, which would which he did it last year. Um, and so that's that's a bit of a change um, worth noting. Um, Rocco Spindler, who we talked about, um, I I was watching the one-on-one offensive line, defensive line, pass protection, pass rush drill because, of course, I was. Um, and uh, the the way they were doing it, they had like two separate units where it was like basically like first team guys and guys pushing for first team, so some backups as well, and then the other guys. Um, and Rocco was with the other guys. He wasn't in the with the other guys, and that included when Michael Michael Carmody was already out. So um, that did, at least in my opinion, didn't seem to be a good sign for Rocco Spindler. Um, now maybe they're like, well, you're, he's going to get way more reps over here, so let's just keep him over there. But um, I think there's still work to do there for him to get in the in the mix for for a starting guard spot. Um, I'm really interested to see what how Notre Dame works the combination of Nana Osafo Menta and and Javante Jean Baptiste who plays more. Is it sort of even? Um, are they asked to do different things? Are they sort of the same player when they're out there? I, I'm sort of curious to see what that looks like. I don't know that I have a great idea of that. Um, yet, but they're a bit of an intriguing combination at that field and position. Before we jump in recruiting, we got a chance to talk to the quarterbacks on Friday, so I'd like to go down that road a little bit. I, I sure. thought it was really interesting how close Sam Hartman and Tyler Buckner have gotten. Those guys went on spring break together. Mm-hmm. They worked out together. Uh, Tyler is helping Sam get better. And Sam is helping Tyler get better. And I think the one thing that Tyler kind of laid out for everybody was what he would think about maybe being the number two without being kind of asked at that directly. Right. And he said, as long as I feel like I'm developing, I'm going to be happy. And so that doesn't mean necessarily a niche role, but I do think he thinks he's getting better because of Hartman. And, And you can talk to the other quarterbacks too. Steve Angeli raved about how great it was to be able to ask him questions and how much he's learned about progressions and things like that from Sam Hartman. So I think I think Tyler Buckner should stay, and I think just based on what we've seen, I think he is getting better in part because of this relationship with Sam Hartman. It's a guy that can really pull him along. It's a guy that's basically his size. Um, Tyler's the better runner. And 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 uh, Hartman even Marley because I'm jealous of his athletic ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so those two were interesting. Steve and Jelly is in a really interesting place because there's all this excitement about the people behind him and Kenny Minchie and then eventually C.J. Carr. Right. And there's excitement about the race in front of him, and then Steve's kind of there. Well, what about me? Kind of thing. But you know he he's got a pretty mature thought process about it although he did say he he said something that was kind of interesting he goes you never know if it's going to be your last day at Notre Dame or not so you just focus on what's in front of you and do the best you can he didn't sound like somebody that was unhappy but um I think he does recognize that um he's in a spot where he needs to kind of make an impression in the spring but doesn't necessarily have the best chance to make it based on numbers. And then again, CJ Carr's coming in next year. So, I mean, he's at least in that third quarterback spot where he's getting reps yeah. in practice. We didn't see men. I don't think we saw Minchie in the 11 on 11 stuff. No, we I did. It was, it was all Angeli. So he's at least getting the reps right. um, to, to make that impression. Now, obviously there's, I don't know that there's much of an impression that he can make to jump both of those guys. So it's just a matter of like longevity and, and, and uh, making a mark on the, his importance for the future of the program um, that, that would be happening this spring. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I appreciate sort of that honesty um, because you know, quarterbacks are always thinking about that. There's two, like there's one quarterback that's going to play. Um, and uh, it's, it's one of the most popular positions in the transfer portal. Um, I imagine um, we've seen time and time again, like how many quarterbacks actually enroll at Notre Dame and actually finish their careers at Notre Dame. That's a very small percentage. Um, so uh, I, I sort of appreciate appreciate that. I think getting back to the Hartman and Buckner thing, one, th- one thing specifically that Hartman was sort of raving about beyond just sort of Tyler's natural athleticism is just sort of how he operates from under center and getting through the 
the motions that are required to do that, different play fakes and stuff like that. And it's just like, I got a lot of learning to do there. And it, Sam has been very complimentary of Tyler. And then Tyler gets asked, like, Sam's telling you're teaching, helping him teach all these things. He's like, uh, Sam doesn't need my help. He's just, he's being, he's just being nice. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of interesting to see how those two have sort of handled that. And I, I, I think Sam is being honest in that he, he does admire some of the things that, uh, Sam does and that he can find things that he can pull from him and, and learn from him um, because he is a better athlete. Than, the, Tyler is a better athlete than Sam. And I think anyone knows that. So the fact that Sam is willing to sort of realize that, understand that, say it, and also try to find a way to incorporate some of those things that he does in his game, um, I think is meaningful. The other thing that really kind of impressed me about Sam was he got kind of hit with a weird line of questioning about, you know, kind of big picture stuff about uh, the essay that um, Jack Swarbrick and Father John wrote and uh, s- some other things about NIL. And he was so focused on just getting better right now. You know, I, I think whatever his little NIL gig is, he can uh, <laughs> deal with that later or be the face I think, of the program I think, later. I, th- I think it's more than little. I think I saw I don't Yeah, know it is. It is. <laughs> It's different NILs. I mean, he wasn't trying to say, well, you know, today I shaved with, uh, or I guess he didn't shave because he's got a beard. But today I uh, used um, such and such hair gel. He he was. I, w- I want to say his lucky. dove. He has like a, some sort of deal with. I think uh, I saw him doing some promo uh, on Instagram or Twitter or some somewhere. Um, but uh, I'm sure that won't be the last either of, of the advertising opportunities that, that Sam Hartman gets as the range quarterback. So that, that was interesting too. Um, moving on to recruiting, man, it was packed with recruits <laughs> on uh, Saturday. We had our own little area. We had to stay away from the recruits and their families, uh, and their, yeah, they um, don't, they don't, their we, snacks. They don't want, they, they don't want our scent to, to be, to, to ruin their experience at Notre Dame. So we, they have to, they have to keep us a, a distance from them. And we had to do their interviews, uh, down on the field because they don't want us uh, jumping into their snacks. They had a big uh, area where they had snacks and drinks and so forth. And not that they wouldn't do that for us someday, but uh, <laughs> uh, so in terms of important visitors, who, who's some of the people that we should be highlighting and thinking about that uh, visited in the past few days? Yeah. Cole Sullivan is a linebacker that Notre Dame has high on its list um, out of, Pittsburgh Central Catholic, obviously a, a school Notre Dame's familiar with. Um, Donovan sort of an, an intriguing ath- athletic linebacker um, that has room to grow there. Uh, Caleb Beasley, a cornerback who's committed to Tennessee. I think Notre Dame's going to be sort of swinging in that one till the end as long as it still needs another cornerback in its class because it really likes Caleb Beasley and doesn't expect him to sort of flip from Tennessee anytime soon. And they have one right now, right? And Carson Hobbs is Carson. Uh, two, two, Leonard, two, Leonard Moore is oh, also yeah, right. committed a, as a cornerback. So they're only looking for one more. Right. Um, so they can sort of go a little bit of big game hunting there um, for the time being and, and, and sort of figure out what, what it can do to get a third cornerback. Um, Deuce Knight, I, I spent some time talking to you. There's actually a story up on InsideIndieSports.com right now um, of me talking to the 2025 quarterback. Um, one of a handful that Notre Dame has offered in the class and I think is rising up the list of guys that they would like. I think they're not in a hurry to just like show a preference for one or the other necessarily, but I think uh, he certainly was impressed. He talked to me about Gino Gadouli, um and the time he spent with him and sort of the talks that they had about just football in general. And he was asking, Gino was asking uh deuce to sort of just drop some plays from his high school team and just explain them to him and so that allowed gino to get to know him and, and deuce really liked that he called it the highlight of his trip sort of getting to 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 be put on the board by by gino gaduli and, and just sort of talk football and pick each other's brains about that kind of thing um aaron scott's a cornerback there i think that's notre dame's got some work to do there um probably chasing ohio state and michigan in that recruitment darian mayo was a very impressive looking kid a defensive lineman who i think maybe trending towards being a defensive tackle rather than a defensive end, but out of good counsel, another school that Notre Dame is certainly familiar with. That's where Sam Mustafer and Cam Hart went to school. Um, so a lot of guys, some offensive linemen, Kevin Haywood and Caleb Brewer. Um, and then they're going to have some more visitors coming in this week. Um, not as 
many or as frequent, but some definitely important ones and maybe most important kill or CJ Carr, um, the quarterback commit who has not been on campus since January. So since Tommy Reese has, has departed the program and get some face-to-face time with Gino Gadouli and Jared Parker, um, that'd be a good opportunity. Wide receiver commit Cam Williams will also be here that day, which is Thursday. It's interesting too with CJ. I think he needed some time to get used to the change. And I think this visit is going to be really important because he can start building relationships with the new people that are going to be coaching him. But you've seen him more visibly on on Twitter, kind of applauding kids visiting and thinking about Notre Dame. And so um, that's an important role for him because he's a really uh, big leader uh, like Drake Bowen was in his class. CJ Carr is in his class in terms of keeping the class together and that he's getting more active again, I think is a really good sign. Yeah, he's close enough um, in that he drives down to campus pretty frequently. Um, That hasn't been the case this spring because he's been active in uh, his, with his seven-on-seven team, which is literally traveling the country um, yeah. all over the place, um, and most weekends too. So getting him on campus this Thursday is a good time. I think I think it's also kind of good for his first time back with the new coaches, uh, new offensive coaches, to sort of be here when there's not a ton of other recruits that they're trying to to woo. Just sort of be like CJ Carr has our attention. He's hanging out with Cam Williams, who he has been committed with for a while now, and those guys have known each other um, and have been sort of in each other's ears since since the, the Irish invasion camp last summer where they both uh, participated. So um, plenty of more recruiting coverage to come. We're continuing to reach out to some guys that have been on campus and some guys that will be coming to campus. Charleston Bowles is hitting the ground running. His first story published today, um, as we talked about earlier, Jacob Smith, the four-star defensive end out of Connecticut. Um, and we'll have a lot more coming on InsideIndieSports.com and the Inside Lounge message board. Make sure you are subscribe to us here on youtube so you know when the next football never sleeps is we'll be back next week again a night to be determined as has been the case um it's usually never going to be friday um and the odds that it's monday are are sort of slim too but i haven't really necessarily mapped out what it looks like for us next week but we'll figure it out so make sure you're subscribed to us sign up for the notifications get the little hit the little bell um you'll get some push notifications to let us to let you know what's going on um, and then, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we currently have a promotion on InsideNDSports.com for a free 60-day free trial. Um, use the promo code NDRecruit60, um, and that will give you the free 60-day trial. Um, the offer is valid through April 9th, um, so make sure you take advantage of that and check out what we're doing um, behind our paywall and on the Inside Lounge message board. We're always looking for for new uh, readers, new participants on the message board. We like to get new voices there. So um, please give us a shot and uh, consider that here as you get ready for Easter. All right, that's it. Have a good night.